back on our grind. It's another morning for R&B time. Russ, Blake, the podcast, I hope you wake. Yo, <laughs> welcome back to R&B Podcast with Russ and Blake. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank God for giving us this opportunity. You know what it is. Yeah, thank God for giving us another opportunity. We up in the early morning crew once again. Um, very blessed, very excited to be able to talk to you guys and keep documenting our growth, man. Like This journey has been so special to me because of my own self-education, to be honest. I really like being able to hear myself speak and figure out thoughts that I'm trying to work out within my own life. I never really expected this process to be that for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just it's been a great little side tool to my own studies and then uh, makes me feel really good when I get a, get feedback from y'all. I'm getting hit up by people I didn't even expect that want to, you know, elaborate more on a topic that we touched on. And it's mm -hmm. just a beautiful process, how a community can spark interest and in topics and help each other learn more. Yeah, 100%. I can uh, relate to everything you just said. And um, I hope that we're inspiring people to want to further their education as well, because we're having a lot of fun and uh, exploring some of these topics. And it certainly benefited us in our personal lives. And we think that you all can do the same. And um, we know that it's hard as you get out of standardized education uh, past high school or past college. If you go to college, um, it's hard to continue that same rate of education because things are so unstructured and there's not as much guidance. There's no curriculum telling you uh, what to read, when to read it and what category it falls under. So when you find a topic that's interesting, it's not always easy to get your foot in the door as far as understanding the details of that topic. So um, we just want to stimulate your mind and invite you to do some exploration and, uh, you know, expand your knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I think we've done a really good job so far approaching this from the aspect of, you know, letting everyone know it's not like we are um, it's not like we are experts on any of the subjects that we speak on. And some of the sp subjects we have great amount of experience and knowledge, but by no means have we mastered or become experts of any of these fields. So this really is a group project. You know, we yeah. put in the time to come and record and and um, do these episodes. But you guys, you guys's contribution is letting us know what you think. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to note that you know, we come up with these topics, but we don't really do all that much, uh, I guess, preparation or collaboration beforehand because we want the conversation to be authentic. Mm -hmm. So we both have our own little points that we come into this with, but we don't want anything to be left unsaid. So we try not to talk about it too much before we get behind the camera. Somebody was asking me if we prepare because it seems like our conversation flows well, which I appreciate that feedback. I'm glad that it seems that way. But um, the Preparation is minimal just because, uh, well, I won't say the preparation is minimal, but like our collaboration within the preparation is minimal. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, independent research, independent study. We do independent uh, 
double checks in the hospital to make sure that medications are prepared properly and the right dosage and the right form. So I feel like that's the same concept here. We're kind of taking that craft, taking that knowledge, taking that piece and making sure that we do our own independent check of what we're going to present. And then we bring it together and see what it does. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a very slight tool on what we can all do with a group of people or one or two people that you trust you know what i mean bring your thoughts to them if they're being authentic back to you it's the phenomena of iron sharpens iron and then we're all gonna get sharp Mm -hmm. yeah so like we're saying this avenue has been beneficial to us in many different ways and some of the skills that we utilize here and some of the skills that we utilize in our professional lives They've been developed as a result of coaching and, um, you know, having somebody to guide you in your endeavors is very valuable. Um, A lot of people just lack the guidance to get to where they want to go because, again, topics can be so vast. Where do you start? It can be overwhelming just to start. So um, today we want to talk to you about the value of coaches, our experience with coaches, what a coach is and um, why or how you might benefit from coaching and whatever it is you're doing. So as a former athlete, I did track uh, football for most of my life, but I've also played baseball, soccer, done wrestling. I was awful at wrestling. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, going through those experiences, I have very vivid memories of my coaches and um, the type of coaches that you have at different stages of your life is very significant. And uh, in some situations, a coach can make or break your performance. And uh, that is especially true when it's a team sport that's involved because there's so many different heads to try to get within the same mindset and uh, drive towards the same goal. So, Russ, I ask you, in your experience in uh, receiving coaching, what do you think is the main factor that has created a good coach in your perspective? Yeah, you know, and, and there's so many um, I have a lot of respect for people who choose to be coaches because that means that you are taking on the challenge of having a large group of people and trying to get them all on the same page while holding them accountable, but equally being understanding of their situations and you know their life outside of the sport that you're playing. Mm-hmm. So just like a quick background on my own experience, you know, me and Blake played on the same football team in middle school. So, you know, I come from playing football. Then I played basketball in high school and college. If you check my resume, um, I worked for the Phoenix Suns. I was a uh, coach camp counselor during the summer. So I would work for the Suns and uh, coach little kids that were trying to learn the game and learn how to do it the right way. So I've kind of had a lot of experience being coached and then developing my own uh, coaching techniques. Mm-hmm. I'm also a basketball official now. So my relationship with coaches is a little different. A lot of times now it's us kind of collaborating to make sure a game is happening because mm-hmm. we all have to have the respect and the intent that the game comes first and everything that we do. Mm-hmm. But back to your question, Blake, I think that consistency in a coach is one of the biggest things. Respect, like I'm saying, respect for the game respect for your team and respect for the process of trying to become one Mm -hmm. and respect for your opponent right Mm -hmm. you talked about that respect for your opponent uh one of my like when i think of great coaches the number one example that comes into my mind is phil jackson Mm -hmm. so phil jackson has been a coach that i've studied immensely one that i if i were a coach i would try to 
behave how he did because he brought um, a sacred feeling to competition, mm-hmm. right? Phil Jackson is from North Dakota, and he was influenced a lot by the Native American tribes of his area as he was growing up, and he brought that to the NBA, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people don't know this about Phil Jackson. He won 11 rings, six coaching Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. five coaching Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. and used the same techniques with both of those amazing talents, and that was helping them understand the deeper connection of sport the deeper connection of uh, communal work and what it means to be able to dissolve your ego so then you can be in a group that has one common goal. Mm -hmm. And that type of stuff is just so exciting to me that he's able to bring that message to athletics Mm. and we saw it be so successful. Right. More than once. More than once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I I think he's a a great example of how valuable a coach can be because there's no argument whether or not it was his effort that led to greatness when you say he coached Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If it was just one of them, you could say, oh, well, you know, Kobe's Kobe. Like he was making the team. But no, there's no way that just happened by chance. And um, one of the most valuable things that my dad has ever told me, I think he started telling me this when I was maybe like five years old, but I remember just over the years hearing it again from him. And I don't really think I understood exactly what he meant until I became an adult. (laughs) Go figure, as with a lot of things I feel. But uh, he would tell me, make sure you're coachable. Make sure uh, you're making yourself coachable. Be coachable. And I would think, like, obviously I'm coachable. Like, I'm an athlete. I'm doing well in my sport. My coaches like me. Like, why are you telling me this? And one, my dad tells me a lot of things that I may may or may not already know. And he would tell me, it's my responsibility to still tell you these things, even if you might know it. And I didn't understand Mm -hmm. that either. But uh, you make sure every stone is left unturned or don't let any stone go unturned, I'm trying to say. And he's trying to cover all the bases. And, you know, we learn things at different stages from different people. But a good coach is going to make sure that you've covered all of those bases and not have to backtrack once you get to where you're going. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of coaching, obviously it's easy for us to relate it to sports, but, uh, coaches are alive and present in all aspects of our life. And Mm -hmm. whether it's coaching from your parents or, uh, coaching from a teacher, because all coaching is at the end of the day is a different form of education. And you might ask yourself, well, people in the NBA and the NFL, like those are professionals, those are elite athletes. Like how is the coach teaching them the sport? And it might, they might not necessarily be teaching them the sport, but they're teaching them how to use their skills in the most efficient manner with other highly skilled people. Mm -hmm. And um, the individual might be able to make themselves perform to a certain level, but to perform at that level and enhance the people around you, that takes a lot of craft, that takes direction, and that takes trust, trust within the person that is directing you because those are extremely confident individuals, right? Yeah. So it's not easy to quote unquote, gain control over them and direct them because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes there's a lot of ego involved and there's a lot of pride. But, um, you know, when a coach can establish that respect and that trust as a baseline, it's a lot easier for them to, uh, you know, 
eventually get to the goal of winning games and uh, championships or, you know, again, outside of the sports world, uh, getting your accolades or your credentials or whatever success it is that you're trying to reach. Yeah. And, you know, one one thing that I think, well, Phil Jackson has an example and then it relates to a lot of other coaches. I think a lot of times coaches are better when they've had success before they began coaching. So mm-hmm. Phil Jackson was already in the NBA, already played with the New York Knicks, mm-hmm. you know, before he became a coach. And a lot of the coaches that I've had in my life that I feel like are better at what they're doing, they had success in the game before they became a coach. Because I have seen coaches that um, haven't played the game they approached it from almost like a study level, like, okay, I'm going to go in with the intent of being a coach, but they don't have never felt that success on the court or on the field. Mm -hmm. And that makes it kind of weird because I think the normal proclivity of a human being is going to be the first sign of success you have. You're going to want to take credit for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're coaching and your team starts to do well and you start to have that feed your ego and you're like, wow, like all this effort I'm doing is making us great. Then it is a recipe for not getting to your best place. Mm. I think it's the best when a coach is able to just be in the background, like all, all um, of our success and all of the admiration needs to go to my players Mm. because they're the ones who are starting to experience what doing better feels like. And when you're getting results from being disciplined and intentional they should be the ones to feel it. Mm-hmm. It's your job to just be in the background studying the system and mm-hmm. trying to help them figure out how to be a better cog within your system. Mm-hmm. But you, if you're going to take the role of coaching or leading a group, I think that you need to have practiced removing any of your apathy or your ego from that process. Mm. Um, so what do you think about the coaches that have been relatively successful that weren't necessarily great at the sport that they're coaching. Cause that happens a lot too. Some people get into coaching without having that background of success or being good at that sport, but they have the knowledge of the sport and they have the leadership qualities. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the coaches that were ex players, like they were not always the best player on their team. And The reason for that is because they were able to watch more. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these people that you see that are ex-players, it's like they were more in an observer position when they were playing. Yeah. So your question to me is like the successful coaches that never played. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of like who they would be, you know, I I can't even think of any as I'm like trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can think. Well, you're thinking of uh, basketball. I think it's more common in football. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I saw the video of like Andy Reid, like playing football when he was in sixth grade and yeah. stuff and all these types of things. But did he play college ball? I, I do not know. I can't mm. be sure on that. I'll have to look. But, you know, we're getting into an age where now we're having female coaches too. Mm. So that that's kind of where my mind mm. goes, where, you know, somebody not necessarily having the background or having the experience because there's really only so far a female can go in football, for example, right? Mm-hmm. But we do have uh, female referees, female yeah. coaches, female everything staff other than the actual like NFL football player um for sure and I've been inspired uh by female coaches and officials definitely mm -hmm. in my career and I feel that I think that if you have those leadership qualities and you're very competent 
and confident because in that world, you know, you're going to have to be so sure about your decision making. And if mm. you're wavering in any way, you're going to get attacked because that's very primal when it comes to like sports and that type of environment. Yeah. So I do think like for a female or for someone who hasn't actually maybe been in the trenches playing the game, uh, if you maximize those other things, your communication skills, your emotional intelligence, being able to understand, you know, when your players uh, are having like outside of the game, outside influences that are affecting them, mm-hmm. being able to relate to that and, and give mm-hmm. them avenues back to their greatness. Because this is one thing, like especially college coaches, coaching young men, high school coaches, mm-hmm. even professional coaches. It's like, you're going to always have to reorient your players back to the purpose of their sport or their activity. Right. And we're driven through history to be like warriors, to be uh, in a group and fight. So we already have that within us, but it's the coach's job to align that with what our purpose is. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. like a lot of people just have this inner desire to join a group and fight or battle mm-hmm. and we love it. Yeah. But when we miss the details of how we can execute to win, it's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get frustrated playing your sport. And I think a coach's job is to make you aware of the details and the nuances that come uh, in a game. Cause dude, when you get to a higher level, execution is the only thing that separates you Mm -hmm. if you really play the game and and get to a high enough level you're gonna see everybody's really good it comes down to who executes and that's why the greatest players you don't see them crying at the end of the first game they lost of the season right Mm -hmm. that game's so insignificant to the rest of the season like yeah you're not gonna have your perfect record but that really doesn't benefit you in terms of winning a championship and you have to expect to be growing throughout the season. So it's okay to start kind of low because you got room to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and having that perspective is not always easy when, you know, you have a high competition mentality. And, um, you know, if you're an alpha male or alpha female and you you want to perform to the best of your abilities every single day, you're going to have an off day eventually. You know, those shouldn't be common, but you got to be prepared for when it comes and uh, just recognize that that doesn't define you. And I, I love that you said, um, you know, the importance of having confidence and competence when you're talking about a female coach, because mm-hmm. that's something that me personally, I pray to God, literally verbatim for confidence and competence when I'm going into my work at the hospital. And um, I I think that those two values are very valuable in any situation that you're in, especially in a coach, in a leadership position, in an educator position, Mm -hmm. Um, because you need to understand the knowledge that you're given and that you're presenting competence. And you also need to be confident in your presentation so that people will respect you and you'll be able to connect with them. And um, I think that that's what some people lack when they're trying to be a leader, you mm-hmm. know, being confident in what they're presenting. And, um, you know, I've seen newer nurses that are extremely intelligent, so friendly, and they're great at their job, but they don't feel like they're doing a good job. Right. Mm-hmm. And that can be attributed, you know, sometimes to leadership within the hospital or um, even just the healthcare system as a whole and how how the processes are set. But um 
one thing that I do in being a leader of young nurses is explaining to them, like, this is something that you're going to have to get used to. It's not having someone there to verify that you're doing a good job, not having someone over your shoulder watching what you're doing, because that's what we get used to in nursing school. And then when you're out on your own, it's solo on a lot of the stuff that you do. So you have mm. to have that positive reinforcement and believe in yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, fortunately, if someone is struggling to develop those qualities, which it can be difficult to do in such a high stress environment, my hospital, um, they offer uh, nurse mentors. Mm. So, you know, a different type of coaching is mentorship. Sure. And um, I think that that's very common and useful in the professional world regardless of what it is that you do, having a mentor and having some level of guidance as you try to, you know, excel and um, basically increase your value, build your resume is very valuable. Um, having that assistance from someone that's already walked that similar path. Man, that's such a great point that you bring up. Um, because like you're saying, you don't get uh, kudos from people. If you're really the coach, you have to have an internal feedback system. And I believe that that's developed from your studies as a coach. You have to be very studious because you're not putting in the physical suicide. You're not putting in the physical drills, but your contribution comes from your study, mm -hmm. your study of your own system and team and the study of the system and team that you're going to be facing. Right. Mm -hmm. As an official sometimes, cause I've been around basketball my whole life. So I've worked with so many different levels of coaches from like high school coaches, young kid coaches to college coaches and people who are professional. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I see is the attention to the system that's being run against their team. Mm. Right. So sometimes if I'm working like with a coach who's not as aware and you can tell hasn't done the studies, I'll see a play develop like three times in a row that his team can't defend. Mm. And just from me watching it a few times, I'm like, oh, well, this is how they're about to execute it. And this is what you could do if you wanted to stop it, but they don't see it. Right. And it's funny because I think like, well, if you put in the work to film study, if you put in the work of doing what the studies matter as your coach, you would have already identified this mm. set or this execution that's happening. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, as a coach, you got to be real with yourself. You can't just develop the right drills and be like, well, I'm a great coach because I know how to develop an in and out crossover. Like, no, you need to be able to recognize um, systems and trends in systems mm -hmm. and quickly identify it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I've also worked with coaches that I super respect. They see one variation in a play and they're like, everyone, come over here. Like, I need to tell you guys right now that there's now a difference in our approach because I just witnessed something that's outside of what we practice. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. But the opposite side, I get kind of frustrated when I see a coach that isn't implementing that into a team and is only trying to celebrate a hype basket or celebrate with the kids like they're trying to make their own TikTok or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> That's not it. Yeah, it's a distraction. That's mm -hmm. what it is. And um, yeah, it takes the balance between the two, right? I've played mm -hmm. for coaches that this whole time you can be up by 50 points and they're not smiling. They're not mm -hmm. congratulating anybody. And I've worked with coaches that, like you said, we're down 14 points and you're celebrating little silly stuff that yeah. doesn't even matter in the outcome of the game. So mm -hmm. uh, th having that awareness is crucial and um, being able to kind of project that same mentality to the people that you're coaching and, um, 
you know, be be there to support them and motivate them, but also keep them on track and be aware of what the opposition is doing. Mm -hmm. Because the player or the individual, the professional even, that is uh, trying to perform, they can't always take the time to analyze the opposition in the way that they would want to or need to. So that's where the coach comes into play. You, player, you make sure that you're performing, and I'll make sure that the plan is appropriate, but you just got to come correct and do what it is you've been training to do. For right? sure. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I would say for 80 to 90% of teams, by the time it gets to that like last few games of your season, you are either bought into your coach's competence or everybody's like, we don't care what you have to say anymore. You mm -hmm. know, like it gets to that point for some teams where you guys have been losing a whole season and then – in the last like week or two, nobody cares about what coach has to say because they don't have respect in him mm -hmm. or they don't have trust that he's competent enough to lead. Mm -hmm. But great teams, it's like all the way down to the championship. It's like if coach makes a little variation here, I'm going to execute it because I believe in his studies. Mm -hmm. I believe in the work he's put in the same way he believes in the work I've put in. It's mm -hmm. so reciprocal when it comes to a team and when it comes to being an effective coach. Yeah. And a lot of people neglect that mm -hmm. just because the work is, you know, what really matters, the attention to those details. Mm -hmm. And being a coach can be stressful because that's mm -hmm. a lot of pressure to uh, make sure that people perform. There's a lot of expectation for you to lead these people to success or an individual to success, depending on what you're coaching in, whether it be a, a you know, uh, a professional setting or um, even a personal, you know, seeking a coach for whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, that person has an expectation. I myself want to get results as you show me what to do and how to do it. Mm. Um, so, you know, the coach has to be understanding of what the person being coached expects of them to establish that mutual respect and that good relationship. Because sometimes someone can be seeking coaching and then the, the coach thinks that you know all these basic skills and the foundation of what it is you're trying to learn because there's different levels of coaching. You talk about the crossover. Um you know, Phil Jackson wasn't teaching Kobe how to do a crossover. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was nope. not the level of coaching he's doing. Nah. And that's why it's so difficult as uh, coaching younger people and what they do, trying to coach the foundational things and the basic skills along with the overall game and teach them the concept and the teamwork. That's a lot. And people yeah. don't realize that. Like, oh, I'm going to nah. go teach these five-year-olds how to do whatever, X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. But there's so many factors <laughs> that are involved in the, the child development, you know, different stages of learning, different temperaments and trying to control that when those kids don't have any control of those things themselves, mm -hmm. it can be quite the task. For sure. And if you haven't mastered those skills within you, it's going to be almost impossible for you to try to lead 14 people down that path or and for a football team, 50 mm -hmm. people down that path. Get like exposed. You will get exposed <laughs> so fast. And, and I've seen it happen yeah. more times than not. Yeah. I've had more coaches in my life that I, I we didn't respect how they approached it then did mm -hmm. but i've also been blessed to see some like immaculate like historic coaches in my life and mm -hmm. you know to understand w the difference between those two you know is very necessary yeah and then so again as far as we want to relate this to everybody yeah, not just sure. sports so you know as far as a coach versus a mentor mm -hmm. uh, some things that i saw online it tried to differentiate by saying that a coach is a paid person that has more involvement rather than a mentor that's, you know, a little more loose and mm -hmm. is there as a resource that you can contact when it's necessary. You might meet up with occasionally, but not like really on a daily or 
um, even a weekly basis like a coach would. But, um, you know, I, I think that the two can be very synonymous and interrelated. You can be a coach and a mentor, vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, labels are not all that important to me, hardly ever. And, um, you know, a mentor, I believe, is uh, a different relationship from a coach yeah. I, I think it's a little more personal mm -hmm. and um you know uh whatever you're being mentored in i think that that should kind of overlap with different uh i guess areas or concepts or tasks uh goals rather than a coach being more direct in what is being uh i guess coached yeah i totally understand that um and you have a mentor in your current professional life. So how do you feel that the mentorship has benefited you in your growth? Yeah, um, I feel like it's benefited me because it's um, my mentor has put me on to information that I otherwise would have been just oblivious to. You know, it's really mm -hmm. the value of the information that you have. And I feel like that's in any field, uh, whether that's like self growth, self-help, or your professional life, the information that you gain is what's going to get you to higher levels. So the biggest thing for me with my mentor is that he's able to observe me, see my individual talents, makeup, and my tendencies, and then give me like the diamond level information and compare the two mm -hmm. and then find like a balance to where I'm going to grow into my professional self with right. who I am mm -hmm. you know what I mean and this is better than me going on Google because if I look something up they're not going to know me so right. they don't know how Russ operates or my uh, temperament or my you know relationship styles but my mentor does right watch watches me communicate with people uh, listens to me go over like my own fears at the beginning and mm -hmm. things that mm -hmm. I need to overcome and then, you know, helps uh, me develop a plan. But this is another thing with my mentor. Uh, he would not just contact me mm. or hit me up. Mm. That, that He made that very clear from the beginning. Like, I'm available to you, but I'm not reaching out to you. Right. You know what I mean? If you are really real about this, you will be reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. And I always respected that because I can only imagine how many people want to get to the top. And you can never expect for someone to try to pull you up to the top. Right. You have to be pulling yourself up to the top. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I learned by working with these like high level, like real professionals. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's funny you say that because, yeah, you can take it down to the, the basic concept of working out, right? I can tell you to go do the pull-up. I can tell you how many pull-ups to do, but I can't do the pull-up for you, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you have to put in the effort. And um, part of that effort is just being... Uh, I guess, ambitious and taking the initiative to contact someone yeah. because yeah, that resource is there waiting to help you. But if you just let the help sit there and you don't accept the help or you don't admit that you need the help, then it's never going to come help. Um, I think that's one of the main differences between a coach and a mentor being a resource that's there that you have to really take advantage of rather than the coach being on top of you, kind of like a personal trainer. They're coaching someone to work out and they're kind of uh, almost like a drill sergeant. They're there and they uh, oftentimes they're texting you like, where are you at? Like you should be here this time. And then while you're there, their attention's on you and they're mm -hmm. kind of leading you step by step through things. Whereas a mentor is going to give you 
keys, give you concepts, give you ideas and give you feedback, be an observer, be an assessor. Um, and that's something that I take pride in as a nurse. I have to do very thorough assessments on people, uh, physical, uh, neurological, psychological. I have to really understand people down to a T, even as far as like what what type of living situation they came from, where they're going in after they leave the hospital, things like that. And uh, so being able to be very in-depth with the assessment and the observation and uh, have that level of empathy where you can understand why people are the way they are, why they're in the situation they're in, uh, and possibly help them expose what it is they need to change to um, reach their goal or, you know, see the change that they're seeking. And, um, you know, for me, that's often uh, a medical diagnosis. We're trying to change uh, behavior. We're trying to change symptoms. But that takes the individual being... Uh, active player in that process and the coach or the mentor can't really make anything happen if the player doesn't want to um, feed into what it is that they're being instructed to do yeah you know la russell has a really great bar that says are you incapable or are you just scared to ask for help mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I always felt that. Yeah, I think that that is often the case being afraid to ask for help you don't want people to know that you don't know you don't want people to know that you're you're vulnerable or you that you have a weak spot, you know, and we all have weak points. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's really just us being afraid of judgment, being, um, I guess, insecure about our current situation. We all start at different points. We all have different resources at different times in our lives. And, um, you know, I used to always think that you know, uh, why do people not have common sense? Like, why are th these concepts not easy for people to understand? And then when you think about it, very few things can really be considered common sense. We learn different things at different times in our life from different people in different ways. Mm -hmm. Even me learning how to walk. You can look at somebody and be like, man, he really walks goofy. But it's like, where did he learn how to walk? What circumstances was he under? Like, what, sure. what, what is the, the, the basis of the, his biology? You know, there's something That's... going on that is making him walk that way. Mm -hmm. And you can change how somebody walks, but they have to be on board with making that change. Man. Right? Yeah, and that's literally been my case. You know, um, I do a lot of film study of myself working. And when I first started, it was like, fam, like what you're wobbling when you're walking or you, or you make these unnecessary movements. And mm -hmm. I think until you record yourself, you're just so unaware of uh, how you're you yeah. are yeah you know what i mean so that's one thing that's helped me out a lot because i do a lot of film study of me from a bird's eye view working in basketball games mm. and then now doing this it's like up close and personal so i'm trying to like gain more awareness from every angle so with coaches and mentors obviously there's different levels just as with the individual there's different levels of performance and knowledge so if someone is at what we would consider to be level one of whatever it is they're trying to do or learn yeah do you think that it's uh beneficial or detrimental to be seeking that guidance from someone that's like at the top of the totem pole extreme expert in that realm should they have someone that's more relatable that's like down towards the middle mm -hmm. uh or should that expertise be always what we're striving for in your opinion yeah in my opinion if you have the ability to contact a master someone who is an expert in a field you should use them because um one, they're never going to judge you for the level that you're at. They're mm -hmm. going to understand every single step of the process if they are truly a master. Mm -hmm. I think that if you have people that are more in the middle or even have any type of unconsciousness to the overall goal, 
that you should get them in like your peer group. Mm-hmm. That should be who you study with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one thing that is very common um, in my field is that you get a lot of information. Like you get information from different officials. You get information from coaches. You might even be on social media and scroll past something that's talking about a rule-based explanation that could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be great, you have to develop certain relationships that you can check your information with, Mm -hmm. right? So you need an expert uh, in your corner so then you can send them an explanation. Hey, someone just told me this. Does this knowledge align with the knowledge that you have? Mm -hmm. No, throw that out. Mm -hmm. But this is one thing that I've noticed, and this kind of turning in from being a coach to being a learner is that you can't be, uh, you can't be like upset if somebody is trying to give you information. What I'll see a lot is that someone will get some information and they'll be like, oh, no, 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 like that's wrong. Or they told me to do it this way and all these types of things instead of just being like, okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. And then go fact check with your corner. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I I feel like that's just one thing that separates a lot of people from being great and then being like, oh, they were a little ornery trying Mm -hmm. to uh, combat what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can resonate with that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, because again, talk about my dad beginning telling me I should be coachable. And then I would get upset by him telling me that there's nothing bad about him telling me I need to be coachable because nah. those are facts, even if I am coachable. Mm-hmm. And um, exactly like what you said, when someone gives you information, you shouldn't be offended that they think you don't know that information because that might not even be the case they might just be making sure that you know that information that doesn't mean that they're, uh, you know, uh, I guess, um, like putting you down, putting or you down, to, yeah. or I guess disrespecting you, right. or or um, I guess neglecting the fact that you are making an effort and that you have mm-hmm. a basic knowledge of what it is that you're trying to uh, expound upon. But um, that that's the basis right there: being coachable, uh, receiving information, uh, being open to constructive criticism. You know, wanting feedback because you're going to get feedback. You have to be able to use that feedback. Some people don't want feedback because they feel like they're being judged. They're being criticized and they get offended. They get emotional. But mm-hmm. in your growth, you need to take that emotion piece out of it. You can grow emotionally. You can have emotional attachment to what you're doing. But if you, if you let yourself be emotional in a way that's going to have negative emotions from someone trying to help you, whether or not you want that help or the help is really beneficial, that's going to hold you back in the long run because eventually you're going to get a piece of information that you're not going to receive the right way or you might not uh, really allow yourself to understand it until 20 years later like I currently am with some of the things my dad has told me because my dad's been trying to coach me my whole life. Mm-hmm. But we go through this phase where uh, for some reason our interactions with our parents, it doesn't feel like they're there to help us but Mm -hmm. all they want is for us to do the best that we can and to be successful and they're trying to guide us because they've gone through these uh situations themselves and they know what they did right and what they did wrong but us as kids we're just so oppositional for whatever reason and um i'm grateful to be at the point i am now to realize all these coaches that have uh come across my path and um the the little lessons that they've taught me and the the how impactful the small words small conversations really are if that person is listening and you're listening back because um people will see things in yourself that you don't recognize and Mm -hmm. um, it's up to you whether or not you're gonna respect or value their opinion and uh, receive that and use it to your advantage or you just kind of block it and ignore it 
And you have to be able to sift through that information because not everything that everybody says to you is going to be factual or relevant. But, um, you know, one person might say 10 things that are wrong and then say one thing that's right. And that one right thing might be really beneficial for you. So you, you can't just shut people down. Um, at, at the very first interaction just because they either A, might come at you a way that you don't really like, B, might say something at first that you feel like you already know or it's not beneficial, or, um, you know, also being in a situation to where you, you think that the mentor or coach that's already been established is omniscient, all-knowing, and has all the answers for you and nobody else can put their two cents into that piggy bank for you. Yeah, man. And, you know, getting back a little bit to just like a coach's personality and how I feel like it works better with uh, players and people that are trying to lead. Have you ever like gone out to eat with a coach of yours, like gone out to dinner or something? And Mm -hmm. it's just like y'all having a conversation. Oh, like one on one. No. Um, Well, you mean like a sports coach? Yeah. No. And that this is one phenomenon that I think is interesting. Like, I feel like the best coaches are able to still have a conversation with someone they're leading outside of like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Cause that shows that you can actually relate to me as a human being. Yeah. You know, I've had some coaches in my life, like, okay, they know how to tell me how to spot up for a three point shot in the corner, but they have no idea how to like ask me like, you know, how's my mom doing or mm-hmm. how, how do I feel at home or mm-hmm. my own mental health? And I feel like the coaches that are able to like understand the human aspect outside yeah. of the game get way more buy in uh, from their players. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's one thing that definitely helps out. It's interesting, though, because that situation does play out a lot differently depending on what we're being coached in because again we have individual coaches so that relationship can easily be on that level should easily be on that level but then you go up to like a team setting like basketball there's more people involved you go up to a team setting like football there's a lot more people involved but there's a lot more coaches involved Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. okay so you have to look at it that way there there should be somebody there that's able to have that relationship it might not be the head coach but then you have like your running back coach, your receivers coach, and mm-hmm. uh, you know trickle down the line of different assistant coaches, and somebody needs to be playing that role. But uh, I think where people run into problems is um, some teams only respect the head coach, mm-hmm. and then sometimes those assistant coaches are looked at more like peers or friends, and it's hard for them to have that influence in certain situations, from what I've seen. But um, the the coaching world is. Um, I guess an opportunity for people to develop a different type of respect for each other, regardless of, you know, their demographic or their age, because Mm -hmm. if you respect the role for what it is, then I guarantee that person can offer something to you. And um, having that personal connection, that piece is very valuable, like you said. And if that's the only role that this assistant coach has, that's still very valuable because the other coaches might not have time for that. Definitely. Yeah. And you're dealing with human beings. And if you don't treat them as such, like you're you're not going to get the buy in that you're looking for and you already know man so many like coaches out here they purchase all the books they read coach k they they read all these ways of how to lead and 100 ways to be a leader and all these other types of things and i can it's cool because i see that they're trying to acquire information to become better but it's like the people are right here in front of you you know what i mean like if you truly have like emotional intelligence then like you can just kind of like be with them sit with them like if you pay attention 
you'll see what they need mm -hmm. and how they need to be led. Mm -hmm. But once again, that only comes if you have respect for the game and respect for the overall goal that you guys have. Mm -hmm. If you're only trying to create your own accolades and become the best coach and the most winningest person, like there's going to be such a disconnect from how you can deal with human beings. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to an interesting point. You know, it's in the rule book in basketball that the coach is responsible for the behavior of the bench. So if anyone on the bench gets a technical foul, the head coach gets an indirect technical foul. Mm -hmm. And if you get three indirect technical fouls, you're ejected. Mm -hmm. So your player could be like, oh, F that. Like, I don't uh, F that. That was terrible technical foul to the bench. But the coach indirectly is now teed up. And I love that because it's like if you're going to be the leader, like lead every single person. The 16th yeah. person on the end of the bench is even led by you and you're still responsible for them. Right. I love that concept and I think that people should have more um, respect for that position. Mm -hmm. And we kind of teach that concept early in life and kids hate it because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure you can think of a time where, oh, uh, player X over here did this in the game, so we're all going to run suicides. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like, yeah. why, why do I have to run when he did that and I dropped 20 points and had no turnovers? Like, it doesn't make any sense at face value. But when you realize that you're responsible for the performance of your team, it's a team sport. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a leader, you want to be a top dog, you need to be prepared to go through the punishment as well as go through the glory with your mm. teammates because yeah. you can't only have one piece of the pie. Y'all going to sit down and eat the whole thing together. And some, some of that pie might not taste as good as the rest, but you're going to have to find a way to enjoy it. And that's how you trust the process and you enjoy the journey. And um, once you find out how to do that and not complain when you're, you're having a consequence for something that someone who's connected to you did – because as a team, you're a unit, mm -hmm. right? So even in football, we would have to run. Um, we, if we won a game, we would still have to run a certain number of sprints for the difference of points that were scored. Mm -hmm. So, or actually for the total points of the other team. So say we score 48 points, the other team scores 35, we still got to run 35 sprints. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, that it felt like a punishment, but really it was just a different way to quantify how we were going to train, right? Mm -hmm. we, you have to do the running regardless. You have to do the conditioning regardless, but putting that number on it that was somebody else's performance, it, it can do something to your mind that might not always be that positive but you have to understand the the purpose behind what you're doing and if you think that it's just punishment then yeah you're going to be upset but um there there's going to be benefits in all of the hard things that we go through in our lives right yeah most of the things that we accomplish that have any meaning or value are going to be difficult so mm -hmm. when somebody gives you a difficult task or somebody um gives you a punishment per se just change your perspective on what it is that that punishment is how you're going to feel once you accomplish that task what you're going to gain from accomplishing that task because i guarantee there's something there for you to gain somewhere that you can benefit in in that uh task that you're doing but if you don't uh, recognize it that way then it's not going to magically benefit you you're just going to rush through it not take advantage and it's going to be a waste of your time in the end for sure you know and it's interesting because when you when you have a leadership role as a coach um you can be seen kind of as like a um Basically, what I want to illustrate here is so there will be kids who get diagnosed with ODD, oppositional defiance yeah. disorder, right? 
And that means that any type of authority figure, they're going to have just like kind of pushback and animosity towards. Mm -hmm. As a coach, if you're really working with the community, you're going to work with kids who are just naturally defiant to, to opposition, right? And it's funny for me because I remember when I went from being a player to an official, like some of my basketball friends just jokingly would be like, oh, you're the ops now. Mm. You know, you're the ops now. And when I'm at work, sometimes like I'm put in the role where I have to be an authority figure with like young kids who are like, oh, man, like, you know, you're being like a police or you're being like opposition. Mm. And it's funny because like if you're really going to be like mature and lead people you have to understand how to like vibe as an authority figure mm. and be like, hey, man, like I have to hold you responsible for these things because we have to do better. But at the same time, I understand the position you come from of why you want to be defiant. Yeah. And I yeah. think a lot of times like coaches don't relate on a cultural level to the kids that they're leading. And it results in them just not understanding that natural proclivity to try to like go against authority figures. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But then there's people who are amazing with it. Deion Sanders is one person I would always shout out for this because Deion Sanders seems to have like created that perfect balance of being like he's going to discipline you but he, and he's going to hold you accountable. But also like, you know, like he gets it. Yeah. You know, he gets your culture and he gets like your emotions and mm -hmm. that you're trying to eventually grow outside of this sport and be a leader in your family and household. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he leads with that type of communication like, hey, I want you to be a great cornerback, but then I want you to be a great father. Mm -hmm. I love that, dude. Yeah. That's the type of stuff that inspires me to just keep going every single day because I'm like, yeah, that's what we need. That's what we right. need to like really go forward. And um, I think that's a great quality for coaches to have, be able to relate a simple task or a simple skill to the the big picture, to the rest of life, because um, everything we do is interrelated. So these skills that you're developing upon um, you might just be thinking of them in specifically for your sport or for your job or for your aspiration, whatever it is. But really, if I'm learning how to read, for example, I might want to be able to read better so I can speak better in front of people and be a public speaker. I want to be a politician. But reading is very beneficial in all types of ways, yeah. downloading knowledge, researching, uh, being a resource, being intelligent. You you think of all of the different factors that are going to be changed as a result of that skill that you're learning. Mm -hmm. um, I watched a TEDx. I can't remember who it was that was speaking, but she mentioned uh, having having goals and tasks that are multifinal, doing things that are going to have more than one positive outcome for you. Mm. And um, you said multifinal, multifinal, multifinal. Okay. Yeah. So the final result is going to uh, manifest in more than one way, basically. I love that. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, I can drink my water to quench my thirst, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm hydrating my body, bringing uh, water into my cells and optimizing the processes of the things that are going on within me, which is going to help me feel better and be able to perform and think more uh, efficiently. And um, it, it, it's not just me making my mouth wet, right? <laughs> so there's, if you look at the things that you're doing in that way, that really everything we do is multifinal, kind of like the butterfly effect right mm -hmm. one little thing happens on the other side of the world it can cause a tornado over here or um you know end a war so what are what is the small thing that you're going to do today to change what's going on around you and mm -hmm. some people 
have no answer to that. But, you know, if you have a good coach, they can, one, help you realize your strengths and weaknesses and also um, help you realize how you're going to utilize those strengths and weaknesses. You think of a basketball situation, you know, some some kids might think, oh, I need to shoot more threes so I can score for my team. And then the coach can slow them down and be like, well, yeah, you're a good three-point shooter, but really what the team needs you to do mm-hmm is past the rock more because you are good at drawing attention. And even though you are a good shooter, since you draw that attention and everyone wants to guard you, really what we're going to do is make sure that you have 10 assists a game rather than 30 points because that's what's going to help us win the game, right? Yep, that's so so true. So having that awareness of your strengths, but also realizing that even your strengths are multifaceted. It, It might not be strong in the manner that you think it is. I might be able to lift a car, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go be a professional car lifter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to use that strength in a different way. So it's going to benefit me and ultimately benefit my team or my community. That's the idea that I have when I'm building upon myself and my own strengths and my own gifts and skills is how am I going to apply these to my daily operation and in turn make it a benefit for the people around me? Because I know that this one skill is not going to only be beneficial for whatever single task that I want to complete at the end of it. I'm going to use that skill throughout the rest of my life and add it to my tool belt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I remember maybe like four or five years ago, there was this really viral video going around because LeBron James was at his son, Bronny James's basketball game. And Bronny, like towards the end of the game has a shot to win, but he doesn't take it and he makes a pass and that person swings it and they get a layup and they win the game. And afterwards, like, Bronny is kind of hanging his head. And LeBron comes up to him and is like, what? Like, great job. And he's like, no, I didn't play well. And LeBron is like, no, did you notice that, like, due to, like, your movement of the ball and Mm -hmm. you just having the awareness to swing the energy to the other side of the court that you guys put yourself in the best position to win? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a high IQ basketball play. Like, you just did the best thing for your team. Mm -hmm. We as young people always have to be reminded that like our individual ego has to dissolve if we want to be great. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, a lot of us don't learn the lesson, but like the people who are great, they learn it early. And that's why I started this shouting out Phil Jackson because he took that to a whole nother level, Mm -hmm. right? He was having the 96 Chicago bulls, arguably one of the best teams ever doing yoga in a circle before a game so Mm -hmm. not only meditating to the arena and the sounds of the silence in the arena but sitting in a circle intentionally because this is what he learned from the native american tribes that circles are like universal shapes of healing if Mm -hmm. you are having to deal with people if you need to reconcile it's always uh suggested that you sit in a circle if you're if you're doing reconciliation or if you're trying to like create a group and it's the strongest exactly the circle is the strongest shape so he would do that and then on away trips he would assign them book projects and so he was having these Mm -hmm. grown professional athletes doing book assignments for him when they're on the one of the best teams ever making millions and millions of dollars. So think about mm. how Phil Jackson approached this dude. Like he literally was known as like the Buddhist coach and and he just took such a different approach spiritually to competition. And that's what it takes to be great. You take a different approach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You got to be innovative and um you, when once you find somebody that's doing things differently, 
you need to, you know, take a step back and really see what it is that they're doing differently, why they're doing it differently, how are they doing it differently. And um, a lot of times that little observation can be extremely beneficial because mm -hmm. it takes doing things differently to be great. Um, if everyone tries to do Bill Jackson the exact way that he did, nobody's going to be able to do it like him. They're going to have to bring some other piece to the puzzle and mm -hmm. add upon what he did because exactly. obviously he had great concepts and he has uh, very public um, methods that we can all take notes on and try to emulate. But at the end of the day, Phil Jackson's Phil Jackson. And at the end of the day, you are you and I'm me. But we, we have equal capability and um equal potential and it's just a matter of how we're going to tap into that and a lot of times it does just rely upon the guidance that you seek and how you take advantage of said guidance mm -hmm. um and and again we have different coaches for different things uh you can relate it to football how many different uh you know the strength coach the agility coach the head coach all of those different specialties within coaching yeah and then sometimes as an individual you just need more of an umbrella coach that's going to help you in more of a generalized concept. What mm -hmm. is football? What is reading? You know, what is finance? Uh, mm -hmm. And then as you get the foundation, you can specify like, oh, I need somebody to coach me in how to invest in stocks. I need someone to coach me how to buy a house. Um, th those coaches are going to present themselves in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have a realtor. I also have a uh, mortgage loaner and I know more than one mo mortgage loan. I know more than one realtor. I talk mm -hmm. to all of them and I get each of their opinions and I see what the market is in my own research. And then I take that back home and make my own decision with all the information that I gathered. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's so many free resources out there and, uh, I guess, um, you know, not, not as uh, structured of a coaching style, but you can get people to coach you for very short periods of time. And you can gather a lot of information from those brief periods of coaching that people are willing to offer. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I already kind of hear some of the pushback because like I'll, I'll work with some students who are pretty pessimistic on the fact that they could actually like expand in this world and they want to give me every reason why what I'm saying is mm -hmm. not true and how things are going to be gloomy and dark forever. And it's interesting because at first I was going to ask you like, well, what if you don't know any experts or you don't know any coaches? And then I automatically thought like that's why you have to put in the effort and just go to the place right mm -hmm. because if you wanted to become a great anything but you didn't know where to start you just have to go to where people are doing that right right because mm -hmm. you're gonna uh, meet someone and then this is where in my opinion this is where like the divine hand comes in because who you need to meet is gonna come into your life mm -hmm. and they're gonna bring information and then you're gonna get the right friend paired with the right information and your path is gonna open up mm -hmm. and this is why early on in this podcast like in one of the first episodes I was saying and like my only thing I really have to do is go outside. Yeah. Because it's true. If I have an intent to grow, then I just have to go to the place. Another thing this makes me think of is that osmosis is a true phenomenon, mm -hmm. right? And this is one thing I had to learn is that if you get around people who are professional and who are doing better, that osmosis process is going to work within you. Mm. You know, their qualities that have made them great, you're going to absorb. Mm. And now they're going to become like you. And then once you're starting to master this information, I believe your truest goal is going to be to give it to someone else. 
I'm already trying to figure out since this season just ended, I'm already trying to plan who's going to come learn with us this summer. Mm -hmm. I'm hitting up young officials like, yo, I'm going to take pay cuts just so we can work together and learn. Mm -hmm. Because now I see as I'm growing in this field, I need to reach down and give it to other people. Mm -hmm. And that's how we all get better, keep purpose in our life. And to be honest, get to the bag. Like we, yeah. we don't have to lie. That's part of what we're doing as well. But yeah. we're making it part of our overall purpose and journey. Right, right. Um, and I love these science analogies. Don't get me started there because I mm -hmm. thought of, you know, somebody's heating up. You know, you mm. see somebody they're like, dang, he's heating up. Like he's really moving. Like he got all these things going for him. So the closer you get to that person that's heating up, you're going to get warm too. Like you start heating up, you're taking notes and then that's convection being within mm. proximity to get some of that heat. And, you know, uh, some people do that in a negative manner and they're going to get pushed back from that person that's heating up because you're like, ah, you're, you're trying to be a groupie or mm. whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. you're, you're not adding to what I'm doing. You're just trying to feed off of it. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's why it's beneficial to build your strong circle and then build up those people around you. Cause then once those people are successful, it doesn't look like, like all of a sudden you're trying to hop in with them. Like y'all been growing together. You've been doing this together, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the closer you get, all of a sudden now you're touching. That's conduction. And conduction is a lot stronger at increasing heat energy than convection. Yeah. So uh, the tighter your circle is, the stronger you are in that that strong structure of the circle. But also the, the hotter y'all going to be and the quicker you're going to heat up together, right? Man, that's such a great point. And it's it, like as you're telling me this, it's like, you also have to know your individual talents that that heat is going to bring up, right? Mm. So I can imagine like being around Kobe Bryant when he was scoring 81 points mm. against Toronto. <laughs> now, you might not have the skill to score 81 points, but the fact that his energy is so hot, and if you were able to sit next to him and absorb that, you have to know what are you going to do with that energy? Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're an author, being around Kobe when he was scoring 81, like literally within feet of him, could have inspired you enough to go write a book that night. Mm -hmm. Or if you are a musician, you probably had the inspiration to go make your greatest song after feeling Kobe's 81-point energy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's very important to know your individual talents so then when the energy is given to you, you know what you're going to create with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And don't be water in the frying pan, right? Mm. Somebody's heating up over there and you're trying to mix in your two cents and in a way bring them down mm. rather than trying to increase their elevation and, you know, ride up with them. Because mm -hmm. some people are haters. Some people... Man. Even if that person's on their team, they're sitting there jealous and they're upset at the end of the victory because they didn't perform to what they expect as an individual when they're playing in a team sport. Man. And you have to be prepared to sometimes take a back seat in the glory and just realize what the overall picture is for the team and see how you're going to take advantage of the other strengths of the team in a way that the team is still going to benefit, but also you can eventually shine in what's going to be a positive manner and shine alongside your teammates rather than thinking it has to pick or choose who's going to be in the spotlight, right? Straight up. Because, you know, if we're talking about energy and osmosis, if you can lend someone or someone can feel that energy, if you start hating, that's like putting on a rubber suit. You know what I mean? You have now blocked off all possibilities of this energy transferring to you because you put up a hateful guard. Yeah. And it's going to be reflected. <laughs> For sure. And that jealousy, reflected. that greed, that coveting, you know what I'm saying? That is what blocks your blessing and blocks the transmission of positive energy into your life. Don't do that. Don't block your blessings.
blocking our blessings has to be one of the easiest things to do when we're approaching things from our ego, but also is like one of the most relieving things when you're able to get uh, rid of that. You know yeah. what I mean? They talk about like taking weight off of your chest. I feel like when you start to systematically remove your tendencies that block your blessings, everything becomes lighter. Yeah. Lighter and lighter to the point where you're just feeling like a feather and you're like, wow, any other person's success is actually my success. Mm -hmm. We started our whole podcast talking about how we are one and we have that belief. Every time a human being succeeds, I feel like I succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we're all one and the same, mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. Yeah. So don't block your blessings. Be open to assistance. Swallow your pride. Ask for assistance. The The help is often there waiting for you to be vulnerable. And uh, don't be afraid of rejection either. Sometimes people are going to say no. You might get no five times before you get that one yes that's really going to change your life. And you putting in that effort is eventually going to pay off. So, um, you know, whether it's you just being diligent in your own personal journey or seeking coaching, guidance, mentorship for whatever it is you want to accomplish, uh, I invite you to seek that assistance. Let me ask you, Blake, you know, if you right now had to coach um, in a field, what do you think you would be the best at coaching? Um, I, I feel like I do mindset coaching with a lot of people in a, in a you know, unorthodox manner okay uh people reach out to me often about medical issues or um sometimes even psychological issues nothing like too intense because i'm like whoa, whoa whoa you need to see a professional <laughs> right uh as a nurse people ask me a lot of questions and uh, i like educating and i uh like being a coach so um a lot of the problems that people face are a result of an improper mindset bad routines um and uh, uh, lack of self-love. So when, when you let people realize that they deserve things, they, they approach those things a lot differently. And, you know, it, it's not a deserving in a way that, you know, it should be given to you, but rather deserve as in you are capable and you should go do this because the only thing that's holding you back is you. And mm -hmm. sometimes people hearing that can really just, uh, I guess, light up a light bulb and, they can make a lot of very significant changes in their life. I think that mindset training is beneficial in any realm, whether you're playing a sport or it's in your professional journey. You know, my wife has been uh, improving her public speaking and uh, her presentation skills. And a right. lot of that came from her being confident in herself and uh, being confident in front of other people and, um, you know, not being hesitant in how she's going to speak. And yeah. A lot of that comes with repetition, but at the end of the day, it's all related to mindset. So that would be, um, you know, my pride and joy if I was able to just coach people in mindset, how to be kind, how to be confident and uh, all the basic positive emotions and habits that uh, will allow someone to at least be content with their actions. Even if they don't reach their goals, they're going to still respect the the progress that they've made and um, the the. I guess end goal of that would be to make sure that they do actually reach the goal. But um, there's so much more that we need to be aware of and be um, appreciative of along the way before we can even reach a goal. Yeah. Do you feel like because since if you've taken the approach where you can make those decisions and it's happened for years now, 
have you ever felt like you led someone astray or like you you gave them the wrong you know information and you saw it like be negative in their life and you felt bad about it has that happened to you uh yet or at all Mm, that's a good question Mm. because i can already think in my uh, you know work with working with students with disabilities and oppositional defiance disorder emotional disabilities i've definitely had a couple moments where i thought like oh this reward is the right way to go here and it ended up being detrimental like for that day Mm. or for that period of time Mm -hmm. and then I had to go home and I felt terrible because I was like dang like I thought that that would have been the right thing to do and ended up being the wrong thing to do and it affected this person I was working with yeah and even though they might not even see it like this I'm trying to be so great in my you know help and mentorship that uh I feel bad so you you're basically saying you gave them a piece of information that you thought they were going to do something with, but they made a bad decision as a result or. Yes. Um, and you know, when I first, I remember like the first month I started working, uh, I was working as a behavior tech and I was in a classroom, like with these students working, you know, one-on-one with them all day long in the classroom setting. Mm. And there was a student and like I'm saying, I had just started working there. So I was more like on my cool vibes, like just trying to figure things out. And there was a student that was able to like receive a reward that was like some candy or something if he did this certain task, right? And he did it. So I was like, whatever, I'll go distribute this reward. I give him the candy. And then I'm like, Hey, bro, like, here's another one, though. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, keep it keep it under wraps, <laughs> but, like, you're doing good, bro. Like, here's a little another one, like, trying to be cool, mm. trying to think that I'm, like, helping mm. doing that. And he instantly is like, all right, bad, bad, I got it, I got yeah. it. And then he just kept it, like, out on his table, right? So then his teacher walks around, and she, like, <laughs> notices he has two. And she's like, oh, like, instantly, like, doesn't believe this kid. And it's like, oh, like, you took one. Like, you took uh, an extra one and all that stuff and stuff. And I was, like, observing it and, like, seeing, like, she got super mad at him. And then, like, I had to be like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you know, and then I felt bad because I was like, wow, I did what I wasn't yeah. supposed to do. Yeah. I And then now he's in trouble and all this type of stuff. So I had to go say, like, nah, I actually snuck him another one. And now they're looking at me like, well, what are you doing? Why are you trying yeah. to over-reward certain behaviors? Because mm-hmm. there is a system to this reward and uh mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I see what you mean mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know nothing too significant it's difficult in the hospital because <laughs> there's a lot of protocols and policies that you know i don't technically agree with but i have to follow so mm. um there's people in the hospital that want to be up mobile and want to get better fast and want to work hard but sometimes we have to slow them down and be like whoa whoa like you got to wait in bed until I'm able to be here to supervise you or until physical therapy is able to be here and work with you and um, sometimes I feel bad like I'm limiting people because I have so many other things I need to do it's like I can't just sit here with you while you're standing next to the bed somebody's mm-hmm. like oh i just need to stand and stretch i was like okay we can do that in like an hour or two but like i can't just have you up in here moving around on your own because if you fall on your face and bust your head open like we're all in trouble right yeah um but you know i have a really good experience from early in my career where i did kind of push the boundaries and let somebody have more freedom 
to try to assist with his rehabilitation because he had a long road ahead of him and he was very eager to get better. Um, so I, I made it as safe as possible, but you know, in hindsight, there was potential for that to kind of backfire on me mm-hmm. because I wasn't necessarily doing things the way that they were supposed to be done, but I was doing what I felt was right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that it's kind of just a risk that you take in certain situations trying right. trying to do the right thing. But I think that at the end of the day, as long as you're trying to do the right thing, more often than not, it's going to work in your benefit. There may be some consequences or, you know, a stressful situation you might have to deal with, mm-hmm. but um, that's just part of life. Um, and if you're really coming from a place of love and good intent, um, it, it's not often going to uh, backfire in a severe manner, in my opinion. Um, but there, there does take some judgment and, uh, you have to be careful because obviously the other option is a possibility to where you thinking you're doing the right thing, but you didn't really analyze the situation properly. Now you're in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, no, I think that, I think you answered that. <laughs> no, perfectly. but my my thing is like I'm thinking I'm like, dang, there's really like so much stuff in the hospital that yeah, you like want to push the limits a little bit, right. but you have to chart and then yeah. uh, the patients interact. So I've had times where a patient's like, oh well, he let me do this. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm, don't don't do that. Buddy. I know, like, <laughs> I know, and that's the worst, right? Especially if you did let him, and then you're sitting there like, yeah, <laughs> like hey, yeah, maybe I did, but yeah, I know. <laughs> such a delicate balance but i do agree with you like if you are making decisions where you genuinely feel like it's best for this person then it's kind of hard to go wrong but you might and then i like the only reason i brought this up is because for coaches for people who are leading or mentors i think it's important to develop a system of like forgiveness for yourself you know what i mean because eventually you're gonna lead someone the wrong way there's no way you try to lead for years and you don't mm-hmm. end up leading one person the wrong way one day yeah and it can feel so bad because it's but like it, it might not be your fault though that's true you know and yeah that, that's why you have to be confident in your decisions and just make sure you're coming with good intent mm-hmm. and coming from a place of love dude because you might give somebody the right piece of information and they interpret it wrong yeah. just like the bible right 100%. there's a lot of bi- valuable information in the bible and people like take stuff out of context and they're like oh well the bible says this so i'm you're like whoa mm-hmm. that's not what it was meaning bro but yeah. you know it, it's good information that people should be aware of but it just comes down to the processing and how they're going to use it right that's such a good point so like in your opinion like what do you think just the base intent is that uh, for the bible like what do you uh, think the bible's just intention is simplified to show us how to live hmm. i mean there's very basic rules in the bible right mm-hmm. the 10 commandments yeah don't kill people mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you look at that stuff in the bible it's not really up for interpretation right yeah. but then you go through all the stories and well, the different characters and then the when you think of the stories of the bible sometimes you're like well his purpose behind this action was x and mm-hmm. then Y happened, and now Z is going to happen. And it's like, oh, my interpretation is a little different. Yeah. You know, like, yes, he did this because of that. But if you look at what happened as a result, maybe it's telling us that his action wasn't really the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But if you just look at the action and don't look at all of the, you know, subsequent stories, you could get a different picture, right? Yeah. And I ask you that because I know it's just so complicated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I agree. I do think like the intent of the Bible is to show you how to live. 
to show you how to like free your soul mm. amongst this dense physical world, like how to become lighter and expand past it. Mm -hmm. I believe that the Bible is a great hyperlink document that shows us how to expand our soul. Um, and, but, it's, and it's a representation of great success and great failure, mm. seeing both ends of that spectrum, seeing uh, sometimes one person experience both ends of that spectrum, great failure and great success, and seeing the journey that they have to walk along that, and then how God plays a role in that journey as well. Yep. yep. Right. Yep. And that's why bringing it back to like, if you've ever led anyone astray, if your intent is based in righteousness, it's going to be really hard for you to have like super negative consequences exactly. if you're just trying to do good for people. Yeah. 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 And a lot of times what you're just going to get is a feedback system of like beautiful, like divine feelings. It's funny because yesterday I was talking with somebody and um, I was talking about like uh, the concept of a Freudian slip. Mm. But, but my Freudian slip was like I said something that was like angelic. And uh, I was like, oh, my bad. That was a Freudian slip. And they're like, how could that be a Freudian slip? Because you were talking about something angelic. And I was like, divine well, Freudian slip. Or... So Freud, uh, the idea of a Freudian slip is that you accidentally said something that you didn't mean to say, but it actually had like a truer implication to like what you feel or what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, I didn't mean to say that, but it's like, no, you did though. Like, mm -hmm. because that's mm -hmm. really what you wanted to say. Mm -hmm. You just, you just weren't going to say it. Right. Right. And it happens to people all the time. But, um, my point was to make that, okay, like my subconscious mind feels divine and they're kind of like okay what does that mean how, how does your subconscious mind feel divine and i'm like well like when i'm just chilling sometimes i just get like little messages that are calming ideas yeah like peaceful thoughts about like connected to everything and about like you know i don't have to be so critical of myself because like this is a journey i'm guided on these types of things like pop into my consciousness yeah. throughout the day mm -hmm. and i know it's because of the work i've put in with studies and meditation and stuff but yeah. i'm just like so grateful that my subconscious gives me those messages rather than like some type of negative message or something about like yeah. harming others or harming myself mm. even though it, it, it's like for you like if you're working out all the time it's like you could still feel grateful that you're strong. Yeah. But oh, it's yeah. like you're the one that made you strong. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? All and the it, time. it's funny how that goes because even though you did it, sometimes you just feel extreme gratitude. Mm hmm. Now, that gratitude is important because mm -hmm. that's how you continue to get better. And uh, that's how you're happy with yourself. If you're not gracious of what you've accomplished, then it's not going to have any meaning and you're not going to care as much. Mm -hmm. Um, so where, what, again, was the Freudian slip that you made? Well, it was, well, it was actually in a text conversation. And what it was is that I put like these laughing emojis and then I put like the little angel emoji with the halo. Yeah. And we were talking about subconscious. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, Freudian slip. And then they were like, how can that be a Freudian slip if you're talking about your subconscious? And I'm like, well, my subconscious is angelic and divine. Hmm. So I understand it was a text. I know normally Freudian slips. Yeah, like in that's speech. what I was thinking. So like I, I, like, I know hmm. like it's normally a speech phenomenon. But, but I mean, in 2023, I do see how mm -hmm. texts can have Freudian slips, and mm -hmm. because people are so quick to respond, and yeah. um, we like our text to feel like a natural conversation. Yep. So people don't often 
sit and really think about what it is they're typing out and you know they'll, they'll have grammatical errors and all types of stuff exactly it's, it's not that serious it's just like me and you just talking sitting next to each other mm -hmm. and um i think that's something that's hard for like baby boomers older generation to understand as far as text because if yeah. we text somebody that's older we don't have that we don't hear the voice behind it but then if you send me a text i kind of hear it in your voice and it's not as robotic as if i'm reading out of a book or uh, reading an article yeah. <laughs> uh, when i text my parents it doesn't feel like i'm talking to my parents i'm like okay i gotta call you so we can be on the same page here for sure and yeah. you know when this happened to me like at first i was really just joking saying it was a freudian slip because it was a text but yeah but then with the follow-up question being like how could your subconscious be divine that made me be like oh well that's an amazing conversation <laughs> because like that that truly is what, we're what was your response towards. Well, the, my response was saying how the, these messages come to me throughout the okay. day. The yeah. feeling of interconnectedness and, and, you know, the feeling of peace and calm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just coming up with like little things I'm looking at. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that that comes from my work plus grace that God has shown me. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it was, it was just an interesting thing. And it made me think of the subconscious as like, the things that you put into it are kind of the messages you'll get back from it, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. I feel like if you watch like a Game of Thrones for fourteen hours a day, and you did that for years, then like when you're outside chilling, you might get more like violent messages, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're watching violence. Or yeah. if you watch World Star fights all the time, like if you're out in public, you might get more messages of like, oh, this could become conflict. But if you're like meditating or reading or tuning into like more divine information than when you're out in the world you might get more divine messages yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying because you, you're truly tuning your brain all the time yeah and it's all about what you feed yourself right mm -hmm. we talk about feeding your mind what you're going to put into it is exactly what you're going to get out mm -hmm. and i think that this will go down in history as russ being the first person that ever referred to game of thrones and world star in the same sentence <laughs> <laughs> yes and i think that's why we're going to be uh great is because we're able to yeah. make those types of connections yeah 100% yes sir that's funny yeah all right y'all I sure. think it's time for us to wrap this thing up uh you know what it is R&B Russ and Blake uh thank you for listening like subscribe share all that if you got one little thing out of today I want you to share it with one person simple as that because uh what we want to do here is optimize blessings we want to uh you know provoke thought we want to increase the awareness of our community and if you ride with that go ahead and spread the love because we love you it's one love and we'll see you next week peace